Hebrews chapter 12. Last week we looked at uh, the race and we looked at uh, that, you know, we're getting to the finish line and uh, we, we've seen all that. Of course, chapter 12 is a, uh, is a follow through from chapter 11 where we went through and we saw example after examples. And now uh, we're coming uh, and we're going to see, starting in verse number 18, we're going to see... Uh, a message entitled, A Tale of Two Mountains. Back some time ago, uh, maybe you had, if you had literature classes, you maybe had to read uh, uh, a book entitled, A Tale of Two Cities. Well, this is a tale of two mountains. We see now that the writer of Hebrews, as we're, we're running the course, and we're now getting closer and closer to the finish line, he reminds us what waits us when we cross the finish line. And he gives a contrast between two mountains that are very prominent in the Word of God, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And through that contrast, he gives us encouragement. He gives us uh, uh, something that keeps us to endure and keeps on running the race. He, he helps us to understand that it's all going to be worth it when, in the end when we cross that line and we hear the voice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ welcoming in to our inheritance that we've looked at as well. So uh, we're going to see a tale of two mountains. In verse number 18, this is what the Bible says, For you are not come. Now, on... This is the key here. He's talking about now Mount Sinai. Notice how he words that because when we get to verse number 22, we're going to see that he words it a little bit different when we come to Mount Zion. He says, For ye are not come into the mountain that might be touched, and that burneth with fire, not into, uh, not, not into blackness and darkness and tempests, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice know that they'd heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. Then in verse number 20 it says, For they could not endure that which was commanded. Now, understand, he's talking about Mount Sinai, and he's talking about, of course, we understand that's where the law was given. And he's given a description of what took place when Moses went up, and Moses is getting the law. Uh, we see he, he paints a, a, a picture that it's, uh, it, it's loud noises and uh, there's darkness. And uh, what we're understanding is uh, Moses comes to realize that he is on a holy mountain, that he's in the very presence of Almighty God. And so he goes on and says, and it is much as a beast that touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or that or thrust through with a dart. That word dart could be translated a sword. And so, so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. I believe in the modern church, 
we've lost sight of a holy God. When we're coming to His house, we're coming into a presence of a holy, righteous God. Moses said it caused him to shake. It, it, it helped him to understand he was not worthy to be in the presence. We need to understand tonight, it's only because of God's grace that we're allowed to have a personal relationship with a mighty, holy God. And we should treat that with all reverence and all respect. This is serious when you come into the presence of God. Our nation as a whole has forgotten that. We've shaken our fist in His face. We're parading up and down and we're doing all kinds of wicked things. And it's we're understanding that we've lost sight of the reverence of God. And we can say and we can go amen to that, amen to that. But my dear friend, I'm telling you, the church today has also lost sight that we've come to serve a holy God. And it is not, not a, a flippant way to come in. And many times we come into the service with everything else upon mind. And everything else is distracting us. We need to understand when we come into His house, we need to come with all the reverence because He deserves all the respect and all the awe because He's a holy, mighty, righteous God, but yet He wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. I've come many times and I've lost sight of why I come. I'll just be honest with you. I come in some days and I have everything else on my mind. But God, because of His grace, His mercy, and His love, continues to love on us and say, I know you didn't come with the right attitude today, but I love you just the same. Oh, what a Savior we serve. But then he goes on and says, But ye are now. Now notice, he's making a transition. He's left Mount Sinai. Now he's coming to Mount Zion. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now he's talking about the church here. He's talking about saved folk. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior this evening, you need to understand when God looks at you, He looks at you as a just man. And one day, you will be made into perfection. And the only reason why is because of His grace. And so He goes and He says in verse number 24, And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Tonight, by God's grace, 
We're going to look at a message entitled, A Tale of Two Cities. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, the power within your word. Lord, tonight as we look into your word and we see the contrast between these two mountains, may we be encouraged tonight. May we not only be encouraged, but may we also be convicted. Lord, too many times we don't treat you right. Many times we come with an attitude that's not right. Many times we come to you with a spirit that's not right. But Lord, if that's the case with any of us tonight, we just ask that you'd make it right. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We could spend the rest of this evening thanking you for all the good things that you have provided for us. But Lord, I pray tonight that we've come to show you how much we really love you. And Lord, one of the ways that we can show how much we really love you is by how we worship you. How we pay attention to you tonight. How we listen to you tonight. But most important of all, how we act upon what we've heard. I pray for that one who maybe slipped in on a Sunday night that does not know you, has never had a personal relationship with you. I pray tonight will be their night of salvation. Lord, for the others that are here and secure in their salvation, but Lord, maybe they're just not got the right spirit. They're not in the right attitude. Maybe they've come with hidden agendas. Maybe they're been not living like they ought to. And Lord, I pray tonight that there will be confession, there will be repentance in this place. Lord, have your way with us these next few moments. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Here we see in the scriptures, as we've already alluded to, uh, the contrast is given. Uh, The first few verses there, we see that he's given uh, an uh, illustration of Mount Sinai. Now we understand that Mount Sinai is where Moses went up, where he received the law. We already see by description here what took place there. And so when you look at Mount Sinai, we're reminded that Mount Sinai represents the law. But then, starting in verse number 22, he goes to another mountain, Mount Zion. And when you think of Mount Zion, it's been referred to as the heavenly Jerusalem. It's also been referred to as the city of God. But when you look at Mount Zion, uh, we are reminded of grace. And so Mount Sinai is law, and Mount Zion, uh, Sinai is, is law, Mount Zion is grace. But then we go on and see that when you look at Mount Sinai, we understand because the law, uh, the law was given, the law was the, the way that it would be enacted, if you will, is by what man did outwardly. See, before, the law was only able to reveal their sin. But now when you move to Mount Zion, we see that it's what God has done. 
And when we understand it's what God has done, oh, we are not uh, only oh, revealed the law, but we also now have redemption because beforehand they were not able to fulfill the law. Why? Because they were operating in their flesh. But those of us who are under the new covenant, we don't operate in the flesh, but we operate in the spirit. And so we understand that the law revealed their sin. The, the law revealed that they were guilty. They were guilty. But then when you come to Mount Zion, and because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, He not only has revealed that we're guilty, but He also says, I'm revealing that you are guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. But I got good news for you. I'm going to provide redemption for you because even though you were guilty, you can now be be considered not guilty. Aren't you glad tonight that you're on Mount Zion? Aren't you glad tonight that you're not under the law, but you're under grace? But then we go on and see the contrast uh, that uh, uh, Mount uh, Zion uh, was a, a place where uh, the Bible here talked about that it was about darkness. Remember, there was all kinds of things going on when the law was given. And the scripture tells us that we just read tonight, it talks about darkness. But when you go to Mount Zion, we see it's about light. And so he gives the contrast. And because of that contrast, we see that the Mount Sinai was the old covenant. Mount Zion is the new covenant. And because of that, we have a place that we can go to. We notice here in verse number 18, I already alluded to it. Notice he says in verse number 18, he says, you have not come. Now, he's talking to believers. Many of them have come out of Judaism. He says, now, you're not at Mount Zion anymore. In verse 22, he goes on and says, but you've come to Mount Zion. Tonight, we understand we are at Mount Zion. And so with that, we see that he describes that we have a place that we can go to. And that place is called heaven. When I started thinking about heaven, uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby said that he had a friend. And his friend asked him this question. He says, have you noticed that you don't hear a whole lot of sermons about heaven anymore? And then he went on and, and was wanting an answer from Dr. Wearsby. But before he, Dr. Wearsby could go ahead and, and put uh, his two cents in, the man that was asking the question started answering his own question. He says, I guess the reason why you don't hear a lot about heaven anymore is because we become too comfortable down here. I believe that describes the modern day church. We've gotten too comfortable. I mean, we have our padded pews and we have nice carpet and not to say that in and that self is nothing wrong with that. But now we are what we're more concerned with where they have the right temperature when I get to church today. There's this group that says, uh, I'm always cold, I'm always cold. This other group is, I'm always hot, I'm always hot. And so we have uh, Brother Eugene and uh, Brother Chris. They're going up and down, up and down because somebody comes to them and says, oh, you got it too cold in here. And so they bump it up and then somebody comes and cool. 
And then we talk about, you know, parking. I don't understand why I can't have parking closer to the door. I mean, we can go on and on and on, can we not? Now, we're making a joke of this, but really, that's where we're at in the church, is it not? We're always looking for comfort. We're looking about, how is this experience going to be a little easier on me? We've gotten too comfortable. May I understand that the early church... The reason why they were, oh, God was working in their midst is because they had not become so comfortable. And because they were not comfortable down here, they were looking to where they were going to go. And they know that one day everything is going to be perfect. That should be advice to every one of us here tonight. We're not looking for comfort down here. Because one day, we'll be in a perfect place. Your bodies will be perfect. The temperature is going to be ideal. Those of you that are too cold, it's going to be warm. For those of you who like it warm, uh, we can go on and on and on. I, I don't know if we're going to have padded pews. I don't know anything about that. really don't care about that. doesn't matter to me. All I know is it's going to be perfect. And so he goes and tells us that this place is going to be a place of security. In Psalms chapter 125 Verse number one, it says, If you trust in the Lord, be as Zion. And then it goes on and says, Because Zion will not be moved. And then we also see in the psalmist, in the Psalm 148, Psalms 48, verses 1 through 3, it says, Great in the Lord, greatly is he to be praised. And then he goes on and talks about the city of God. Then he also makes mention of the Mount of Holiness. And then he makes reference to Mount Zion. He said there will be joy in Mount Zion. Why is that? Because he goes on in that verse and says that it will be a place of refuge. Now, I'm not here to be a politically correct, but I started thinking about security. And I started thinking about how many in our nation, uh, and we hear it on a constant basis, is it not? About how we need to secure our borders and how we need to make security. We understand with the mass killings in the schools, they're now marching in the streets and they're wanting to be uh, our schools to be safer places. Many of you, when you go home tonight, you'll have uh, something on your wall and you're going to punch in your coat and it's going to give a, a one or two little beeps and you're going to be able to go to bed and you'll be able to uh, sleep well because you just set your alarm. We live in that day, do we not? Everybody wants to be secure. Everybody wants to feel safe. But we also see that we have what is called sanctuary cities. You know where I'm going. Sanctuary cities. Places like Oakland, California, where they're saying it doesn't matter if you're legal or illegal. doesn't matter if you have a criminal record or not. We'll go ahead and we'll make sure nobody can get to you. That's not the type of security that we're talking about here. We're talking about security because we understand that that place that called heaven will be a place that we will be for all eternity. We're not going to have to move. I started thinking about that, and I started adding up how many times I've moved since I've been called. 
We have moved 15 times. Every one of them was a painful experience. Now, the first couple moves, it wasn't that big of a deal because we didn't own anything. We had like one piece, a chair and maybe a table. I think it was a coffee table was our first dining room. And, uh, you know, I can go on and on. You have similar stories there. But then we started getting things. Then we started having children. Then we started having grandchildren. And the last move that we made, I told my wife, I said, I don't care. I ain't moving no more. I'm staying put. But isn't it going to be wonderful that there's coming a place waiting for us where we don't have to worry about moving anymore. We're going to be there for all eternity. Dr. Johnny Hunt said it back over this passage. He says that when we get to our new home, he says your address will be changed to 777 Grace Boulevard. The zip code will be 77777. And your phone number will be 1-800-ETERNAL. I don't know about you. Aren't you glad that you have a place waiting for you that when you move to your new home, you don't have to worry about moving anymore? And so here we understand Mount Sinai. It was the law. The law was temporary. We understand when you go back to Mount Sinai, that's where they had the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a temporary. Uh, they would uh, go ahead and when they moved, they would have to uh, unpack everything and they would move it again. But aren't you glad tonight to know that because you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, that you have security in your salvation. Jesus talked about it this way. He says, all that have been called, I will not cast out. But then he goes on and he says, and if you've been placed in my hand, no one can pluck you out of it. I don't want you to know, you might not have security in your neighborhood. You might not feel safe when you, your children go to school. But I understand that we have a place waiting for us that's going to be eternal. It's secure and and we understand that our salvation is eternal and so he gives the contrast he says there's going to be a secure place but notice here he also makes mention there's going to be participants what does he mean by that well he starts to notice and he starts to call out who's going to be there notice in the text here he says, uh, first and foremost, he said that uh, there's going to be angels, an innumerable host of angels. That means, oh, we do not know the number. Now, think about this. We, I'm going to age myself on this one, but remember the movie? It was a show that came out that was talking about angels. Touched by an angel. Y'all remember that show? Oh, Della Reese was in it, and I forgot the other uh, one there. And there were angels. And they had these nice stories and, and all of that. Uh, we also know that angels are spoken of quite a bit in Scripture. We know that there was a heavenly host there at the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here it says that... There will be angels there in heaven. Now, we also understand when we go to Mount Sinai, there, was a, there were angels present there. Now, the angels that we see on Mount Sinai, were, they, 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 they were angels of power and of might. When you go to Mount Zion, 
you're going to see that they're going to express joy. Now, how do we know that? Well, in Luke chapter 15, verse number 10, it says, when, when someone gets saved, there's rejoicing by the angels. Now, I understand, angels have never experienced redemption. But they sure get excited about when they do see it happened. I started thinking about this. So here are angels that cannot experience redemption. And they're rejoicing. It doesn't say they were singing. It says they were rejoicing. Now, they might have been singing. Don't know. We'll know when we get there. But they experienced and expressed joy. So if angels are expressing joy when someone gets saved, what about those of us who've experienced redemption? How should we act when someone gets saved here? Shouldn't we be joyful? Shouldn't we be praising the Lord? Shouldn't we be shouting the house down? Praise God, somebody got saved today. Hallelujah. But here's what happens. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. And then, and then we say, well, come in and, expect, uh, you know, uh, half of us cut out because if I have to get in that line, it's going to mess me up with my wait time there at old Charlie's. I'm just being serious. Listen, when somebody gets saved here, every one of us have experienced redemption. It doesn't matter if we have to wait in line two hours. We ought to wait in two hours because we have experienced what they experienced and I hadn't gotten over it and I'm rejoicing and I need to express my joy. I'm telling you, we need to start realizing that we're here not for ourselves and how quick we can get out and how we can meet our schedules. We're here to serve and to worship a holy God and the Bible tells us and helps us to understand it pleases God when his people rejoice over someone who's gotten saved. So he says there's going to be joy. But there's also going to be joy on our part. Now, I believe we have a garden angels. Now, I base that upon Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 1 Verse number 14, it says, talking about angels, that there are ministering spirits sent forth to the saints. That's what the Bible says. So, I believe when we get up to heaven, we're going to see the angelic host. But I think we're going to be able to meet our guardian angel. Some of you, your guardian angel is going to be rejoicing or rejoicing. They're going to see you and say, Whoo, praise the Lord. I don't have to worry about them anymore. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, and when I'm not going to, there's a whole lot we can say about this. But I I've, have experienced that somebody, and I want to say it's an angel, has been taking care of me. I mean, there's, I've been in some situations where I know that God had to intervene. And many times God will intervene by the use of an angel because they're ministering spirits. They're to minister to us. I can remember not long, oh, it's been many years ago, my brother and I worked in the same place. My brother would always drive because he didn't like my driving. Even when I could see, he didn't like my driving. 
So we're, we're, we're uh, coming home. It's in uh, February. I can remember the, we're going down Gallatin Road. We're coming from Gallatin going to Hendersonville. And the sun was, it's about that time of year when the sun kind of hits and uh, it was a cool, cold day and we'd gotten warmed up. And uh, we had, uh, and I won't give you all the details why we had to stay up the night before. It's none of your business. But anyway, we were up uh, late hours of the night. Here we are driving and both of us fell asleep. My brother was driving. Uh, I was in the passenger side. And uh, we're going down Gallatin Road. And of course, we were probably driving too fast. And both of us dozed off. About the same time, we woke up and we were fixing to cross over and oncoming traffic. Now, you can say what you want to, but I'm giving all the praise and all the credit to my guardian angel woke us up that day. Now, you can say, can you prove that it was an angel? Can you disprove it? God sends ministering angels to us. And we're going to meet our guardian angel there. Oh, that's going to be a grand time, is it not? But then it goes on. He also, oh, we understand that there's going to be children. Now, how do you think there's going to be children there? Well, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks quite a bit about children. And one of the uh, examples that he gives about children is, he says, and he's, uh, he points at one of the children that he had on his lap that he was uh, holding. He says, to enter, enter to the kingdom, talking about if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to come as one of these. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also said that uh, woe unto you that hinders a child. There's going to be children there. All these babies that have been aborted in our nation, they're going to be there. Some of you here tonight, oh, you have children there. Won't it be a wonderful time? We're going to come and we're going to see the angelic host. We're going to meet our guardian angel. We're going to see children and they're going to be playing. They're going to be romping around. And because we're going to be in a perfect place with our perfect bodies, it won't bother us at all for children jumping around us. Our nerves are going to be able to handle it, all right? And so we've got children there and they're, re- and they're singing and rejoicing. I'll tell you, isn't it a wonderful thing when you go to the park and uh, you just kind of say it, uh, when you get my age, instead of, uh, you know, doing the walking thing and, and all that, I like to kind of just sit at the, up on the bench. <laughs> and I just like to watch people go by. But I like to hear the sound of laughter. I like to see those little children, they're in their innocence and they're playing and they're jumping. Won't it be a wonderful, wonderful time when we get to heaven, we're going to see little children running all over the place. And guess what? They're going to be doing the same thing that we're doing. They're going to be praising God. They're going to say, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so we see there's going to be children. But but notice also, not only there are going to be children, but there's going to be the saints. Now, this is where I really start getting happy. It's the saints. The Old Testament saints are going to be there. 
I don't know about you, but isn't it going to be a wonderful experience that we're going to be able to walk around and we're going to see your old brother Abraham? It's going to be wonderful uh, to go and see uh, uh, old brother Jeremiah. This morning we alluded to Amos. We're going to see all the patriarchs of the Old Testament now, I know that the Bible, uh, and I believe that we won't have to be asking questions because the Bible says that we will be like Jesus, right? We shall be like Him, which means that we won't have to have any questions. All those have been answered for us. But I just think it'd be kind of, I don't know about you, don't, don't, don't want it to be cool to hang out with Abraham and Isaac and, you know, and say, hey, how was it back in those days? And, and they start telling and all that. And then we also see there's going to be the New Testament saints there as well. We're going to see Paul. There's a movie uh, supposed to be coming out uh, based upon the Apostle Paul. And I don't know anything about the movie, but uh, they're telling me that it's going to be good. But I'm going to tell you, uh, in live and in person, it's a lot better than a movie, right? And so we're going to be seeing Paul, and uh, we're going to see James, and we can go on and on and on and on. We're going to see Hosea. We're going to see all those that we've read about, all those that we've preached about, all those that we've talked about. We're going to be able to spend all eternity with them. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of excites me. And, and so we're, we're going to be there. But notice here, he goes on and says, there's going to be another one that's going to be there that's going to pay, it's going to pale everything else that you've already seen. Look at verse number 24. His name is Jesus. And so here we are. We're in heaven. And we see the beauty of heaven. We see the angelic host. We hear the praise and the worship that's going on. We see the little children. and We see the saints of old. And we see the saints of uh, the New Testament. We're going to see loved ones that have gone on before us. And, and it's going to be a wonderful scene. And we're going to be so excited. And we're going to be jumping. And, and I mean, it's just going to... And imagine, Paul said it best this way. He says, I've been called up into the third heaven. That means the place where God dwells. He'd been to Mount Zion. He'd been to the heavenly Jerusalem and he says, I can't describe it. Oh, it pales in comparison. John there in the book of Revelation, oh, even though he did the best he could, don't you think he was kind of frustrated? He says, I just can't express in words how wonderful this place is going to be. But we're going to be there and we're going to see it in all of its glory. But then we're going to look and then we're going to see a great light and we're going to see the angels bowing and we're going to take those crowns that we've received and the Bible tells us in Revelation we're going to throw them at His feet and we're going to praise Him and praise Him and praise Him forever. In our new home. Now, some of you are getting weary in your race. Some of you are getting tired in your race. 
May I encourage you tonight by the Word of God, keep on running for Jesus because it's going to be worth it in the end. When we see His countenance, the one who died for us, the one that we talked about this morning that took all the pain and took all of our sin, the one that we've been looking for, we're going to see him face to face. Squire Parsons uh, did a song, I don't know how long ago, but it says, Oh, what a moment. And it goes on and says, Oh, what a moment when I shall see Jesus. Oh, what a moment when I will see him face to face. Oh, won't that be a moment? When we see our Jesus face to face and we understand that we will be here on this Mount Zion, this heavenly Jerusalem forever and forever. Now, what does that have to say to us tonight? First of all, it should help us to be more conscious of our worship. We might as well go ahead and start getting in practice now. Well, I don't like that loudness. I don't, I don't like that shouting. Well, I hate to break the news to you, but that's what you're going to get in heaven. It's what the Scripture says. It's okay. Say, I just don't get... It's okay. One day, it won't bother you at all. I'm telling you, there's times I know Brother Travis, he, and he does, he's doing such a great job and leading us like that. But I, I, and I haven't talked to him, but I just got a feeling that he, he gets, he thought, man, I just can't get them going today. Hey, brother, when we get there, you won't have no problem getting going. When you see him, when you see him, it's going to be spontaneous. You see, uh, yeah, we agree with that. Hey, what do we do when we come here? Are we not seeing Him? Do we not feel His presence? That ought, we ought to be spontaneous with our worship and our praise. But I also, as I started thinking about the contrast, I start thinking about grace. See, we're under grace. And I come to realize that the only way and the only reason why I am who I am and I'm going to where I'm going is because of His grace. And because of that, that keeps me running the race. Yeah. 